Well, welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show. It's the podcast that translates Donald Trump and his decisions and his actions and his nominees. We take a look at the existential threats to the America we know and love. One existential threat is the violation of the rule of law. To decide not to go by the rule of law and fair principle, principles laid out in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, and that should adhere in every process taken by the government. We're going to go in depth today with the Kavanaugh hearings and investigation. I have a few remarks, thoughts. Then we'll talk to Byron York, Mark Thiessen, and Paul Kengor. They're all joining us today to give thought and analysis. Mark Thiessen will go broad and deep. Byron York will go very particular and specific and deep. And Paul Kengor will talk about the one issue that he thinks is animating all of this opposition and some of the support. Let me just give a couple of thoughts. And I, and I do this. I want you to listen closely to me. I'm doing this before we talk to Mark and Paul and Byron. Here's what I think is shaping up with the Kavanaugh hearing, and this is what I'm worried about. I, I believe him, and I'll make the distinction I made Friday night on Fox last week. Everybody's going around saying both of these people, Dr. Ford and Judge Kavanaugh, are believable. Yes and no. Emotionally, they were both believable. That is, genuine emotion on both sides. I believe Dr. Ford sincerely believes something terrible happened to her. And she certainly was convincing in terms of her being a sympathetic uh, figure. But that's emotional truth. Kavanaugh was also emotionally true. Uh, I believed him. He was credible. He came across as credible. But emotional credibility is one thing. Factual credibility is something else. And in terms of the facts, Dr. Ford's not credible. Doesn't remember where the party was. No one can back up her story about the assault by Judge Kavanaugh. No witnesses to this. No corroboration. Judge Kavanaugh has a lot of a lot of evidence. He has a lot of people supporting him, but in addition, he has arguments about where he was. He's got this calendar, this amazing documentation he kept, and so much more factually credible. But let's say they were equally factually credible. If they were equally factually credible, the burden of proof hasn't been met. you got to have more than equality on the facts before you uh, convict a man or a judge adjudicate a man or judge a man to be guilty of the things that he's being accused of. All right, that's one point. Here's my second point. There was an awful lot of nonsense about the judge's behavior as a high school student. Now, I'm not diminishing the significance if he did a serious sexual assault, um, as alleged by Dr. Ford, but that wasn't the focus of a lot of the discussion. A lot of the discussion, a lot of the questions by the Democrats were about what this meant in the yearbook. Uh, we'll get into this with Byron. Whether he ever drank to excess. Yes, he drank to excess. Did you ever black out? No, I never blacked out. I've gone to sleep a couple times when drinking, but not blacked out. Well, did you ever get to a point where you drank so much you couldn't remember what happened? No, no, no. He was emphatic, Claude, to his answers and his answers to those questions. Now, supposing they come forward with a witness who can prove or corroborate or a couple of witnesses who say, I was with Brett Kavanaugh, saw him pass out. Once, twice, three times. Is that enough to nail him? Are they going to nail him on that? Uh, not that he committed some kind of sexual assault, but that he misrepresented what he said about passing out. I believe uh, when it comes down to this um, FBI investigation, uh, the, the Democrats want to expand it oh, to, sure. to, to investigate. Well, just how much did he drink when he was <laughs> when he was in high school or in, in college? I mean, I think that it's going to come down to trying to nail uh, Judge Kavanaugh on anything that they can nail him on to, to block the confirmation. Narrow technicality, but it is it is true. Mm -hmm. You cannot lie to the FBI. 
Right. And you cannot lie at a Senate hearing. Right. So if he says flatly and absolutely, and this is the risk for him, it seems to me, that I never uh, blacked out and someone can corroborate that he did, he's got a problem. Now, in context, I think this is ridiculous. Right. Frankly, it's ridiculous because I think another whole thing should be introduced here, which is blackout or not, drinking or not. Are you the kind of person that engages in this kind of behavior? Uh, I hate I drank to excess at times and in, in, not much in high school, but in college. Sure. Uh, passed out a few times. Never did anything like this. Would never. Do. I'm not capable of that. I don't think Kavanaugh is either. That has not been introduced, though, except indirectly as testimony and testament to his character has come forward. But I'm just nervous about this absolutism, but I never did this, I never did that. Again, I, I put it in context. Okay, the guy doesn't get to move up on the court uh, because he said he never blacked out from drinking and he did black out from drinking. Does that make sense? Is that why you keep a guy from the court? Yeah, and one thing I've not heard yet from um, you know any of the Democrats is you know just the statement, Dr. Ford, I believe you, but we need evidence. You need proof. We can't just go on, you know. Um, uh, yeah, well, they're not going to. They're not going to. Where's that? that? With her. Yeah, they're yeah. not going to say mean, that to her. But that, but is it? I mean, you, anyone could just say, "Hey, ten years ago, Claude Jennings did this," and have no proof okay. of it. Right. See, but I think they may be abandoning that okay. and focusing on this absolutism about I never passed out. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I never blacked out. And then they, so the whole focus is now going to shift. Yeah, and then they say, well, you did black out. You lied to the Senate. We're not going to confirm someone who lies to the Senate, and that's yeah. felony. That's, you know, I think it's tricky territory because those are the rules. And look, the guy can still defend himself, I believe, and say, yeah, I might have. But, you know, before passing out or while passing out, waking up and passing out, I would never do this. I would never do this. Right. And if a guy is going to do this, it is likely, I believe, I believe this is true, he's going to do it again. It's not going to be one single incident. And the pattern of his life suggests not a chance. The third thing, point I want to make is how low the press is going. This USA Today thing, I don't know if you noticed this, but they said he shouldn't be coaching girls basketball while this discussion is going on. Right. You can't trust yeah. him with the young girls. And and a, and, a, and a writer, a columnist, I think, for The Atlantic said, you know, boy, look at that picture of uh, those young girls, young sixth grade girl basketballs with their bare legs and their shorts, short, oh, you know, come on. Catholic school, yeah. you know, skirts. I mean, what the heck are we doing here? You want to talk about threats to the republic? You go that low. If that's what politics politics has become, I don't know what to say, I, I, except I'll say this. Donald Trump's accused of lowering, you know, lowering down our, our political discourse. Nothing he has said or done approaches what I just described. Well, it's, it's disgusting. Uh, you, you know, what did he do? Throw punches at the other candidates. He was, you know, off base on some criticisms and, and you know, the Megyn Kelly thing perhaps misspoke. But my God, this, you know, don't have him around these sixth grade girls. What a thing to say. Can you, can you say anything worse? I don't know. Maybe it was what Bill Maher said on his show about Lindsey Graham. I don't know if you saw that. I, or did, heard I that. did not. I don't think I'm going to repeat it. Okay. I just I, I just don't think I can. But um, people can look that up. Let's uh, let's get to our guests. I may have a few more thoughts when we're done. Go One ahead. other question. So what, what do you th do you think anything will happen with Senator Feinstein? Feinstein holding on to this information since July. Something I mean, should. But know. these guys are pretty bad about disciplining each other. Right. Even if it's the other side. Because wouldn't it just be honorable oh, no, she, to handle this in July or August behind closed doors? Absolutely. Instead of this. Absolutely. Yeah. Instead of this circus. Absolutely. But uh, I predict that nothing's going to happen there. 
You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Let's kick things off with Paul Kangor, author and professor of political science at Grove City College. Paul Kangor, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, Paul, it's uh, Kavanaugh Day on our podcast. You wrote a great piece just out, and we'll put a link up to it. What's this all about in the end? Yeah, well, you know, Bill, I think it comes down to three questions or, or three uh, three words, right? Abortion, abortion, and abortion. I mean, that that's what this is all about. This is a knockdown drag out by, by liberals in the Senate, the Senate Judiciary Committee, the Democrats around the country to do everything that they possibly can to preserve and protect Roe versus Wade. And which, which, by the way, is kind of invites a myriad of other questions, such as if they kill off Kavanaugh, they're probably going to get Amy Cohen. Tony Barrett or, or or somebody else on that Trump list who's pro-life anyway. But, but I think the ultimate goal is to delay, right, to delay it as long as they possibly can. Like Lindsey Graham said, maybe they're hoping they could delay it until after the elections, until after January. And then at that point, maybe they can get a Democratic Senate. So so and then they then, it, then they couldn't appoint a pro-life nominee. So I, I think that's what it's all about. And and the focus of uh, of this piece I wrote for Spectator is I, I find the whole thing really repulsive that you have so many liberals and Democrats who seem to reflexively believe Christine Blasey Ford and reflexively not believe Brett Kavanaugh. And they're accusing him of being I mean, I, I don't know what happened in that room. Right. I mean, I. I don't know for sure if they were both even together in the room. I mean, he, he says he wasn't the accomplice that she named. Mark Judge said it didn't happen. But 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 I, I do know this. The way that they're willing to accuse him of being an abuser, uh, presumed guilty, and attack him for his violence, his sex abuse violence, to do that all in the name of protecting and advancing Roe versus Wade, abortion, which is, if, if anything, right, it's it, it's, it's all that's all about violence to the unborn. Yeah, sure. um, I yeah, I, f- I find a sort a, a great moral hypocrisy in in Brett Kavanaugh's accusers. Absolutely, absolutely. Aren't they also lying? I mean, I, you are strongly pro-life. I am strongly pro-life. But the the lie of well, if you know, if Roe v. Wade is reversed, there will a woman will never be able to have an abortion in America. Yeah, I, I think it is definitely a lie, and really, they should Likely have happen if if you had a limited uh, reconsideration of Roe v. Wade and paint a picture for us of what the justices right. might say and what then would happen. Well, ironically, we could go back to Robert Bork, and by the way, isn't this ironic? This this no is kidding. the Bork seat. This is the Bork seat, right? This, yep. this went this first went to Bork, and yep. who wanted to basically basically argue that there's not a right to an abortion at the federal level, the national level. Level in the Constitution, so you'd want to turn it back to the states, right? And so because of that, they torpedoed him. And, and you remember this well, Bill. I mean, they were they were going to the local blockbuster video store, the liberals, trying sure to find do. out what what Judge Bork rented. Yeah. And they found out that he had a he had a thing for old black and white movies, Fred and Ginger movies. Right. <laughs> and right. They made fun of him for being a square, right? right. Oh, right. You know, no porn. Oh, what a square. Right. So, so they, 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 <laughs> so they took, they took him down, and then it was Justice Ginsburg, the first Ginsburg, who, um, who, as you noted the last time I talked to you, uh, it wasn't that he smoked marijuana that was the issue, but he had allegedly smoked it with students, yeah, that's right. right? That's right. 
So, so, so they took him down, and then it went to Kennedy, and they got Kennedy for thirty years, and, and now it's Kavanaugh. But gosh, but yeah, you're right. I, I hadn't thought of that, Paul. Good for you. It is the same chair, isn't it? Yeah. It, I think it's cursed. Uh, you know, somebody, yeah. somebody must have somewhere along the line uh, put a hex on 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 yeah. that seat. I, I I don't I don't know what what exactly it, it is here, but but yeah. So they, uh, I, I don't know that. I don't know that Roe v. Wade is ever necessarily going to be "quote unquote" reversed, right? I mean, I think what's going to happen is you, you will have the court rule on certain aspects of religious freedom, of abortion, abortion law. They might knock down things like the HHS mandate, Little Sisters of the Poor, Hobby Lobby. Those cases, I, I think that's more along the lines of what would happen at the at the Supreme Court level. I don't know if in one fell swoop you're going to quote unquote uh, reverse right. Roe right. versus Wade. I agree yeah, with but, you. But, 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 yeah, but 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 either way, you know, they, they they want at all costs to do everything that they can to make sure that their perpetual advancement and protection and preservation of a quote unquote abortion rights in America is not hindered or not chipped away at in any way. But if it were, and and we came back to, as you put it, no federal right, as Bork put it, to abortion, it would go to the states. Right, and, it would go to the states. And in most states, it would be allowed, may vary from period to period, state to state, but it would likely be allowed in almost all states. Yeah, I, I don't know almost all states. Yeah, that's but, too but, much, but most. Yeah. most. But put it this way, in, in liberal states, right, where they care most about this stuff, I guess that would be, uh, what, blue states, right? They, it would certainly yeah. be legal in all of those. And frankly, places like California and New York and Massachusetts and New Jersey would probably throw open wide the doors to their abortion clinics, you know, telling women from uh, Mississippi and Arkansas and Missouri, please come here and get your abortions, right? right? You know, they, we're all about the right to win. Women here, we're all about women in this state. But my point so, is, it's so, not well. You know, either we have Roe v. Wade as is, or it's back alley abortions. Nonsense. You, yeah, you might have no, taken a trade no. in New York from you know, or or a neighboring that's state. Right. Or like, that's right. So, that, that's right. So I mean, just to yep. calm the hysteria. Uh, good grief! I mean, it is. Tell tell us tell us how you know that this is what's behind the whole thing: abortion, abortion, abortion. Well, they they made it very clear from from the outset, right? That that I mean, that is, um, I, I it's every single one of these nominees for Republicans has has come down to a litmus test on where the where the judge stands on abortion. It's 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 the main question on the minds of all of these liberals. I don't think it's any other issue at all. I don't think it's any other cultural moral issue. It's certainly not um, Obama. Obamacare or taxes or some aspect of federalism, which I think a lot of them wouldn't even understand. Sure. I think with a lot of sure. them, it, it's just it's just down to down to Roe versus Wade. You know, what Nancy Pelosi calls sacred ground, yeah, right? Sacred ground, yes. sacred ground. It's a sacrament. Is, is now, you know? right. That's right. That's right. It's like a. It's like a. It's like the Holy Grail in the feminist church, right? You know, all is um, all is washed clean at the at the altar of abortion rights. And 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 to pick up on something you said earlier about God forbid Kavanaugh goes down, so Amy Coney Bryant comes up, uh, Barrett. I mean, 
uh, mm-hmm. strongly pro-life. They will yeah. find some way to oppose her. That's right. They'll find out that you know she uh, killed dead puppies for fun, or killed puppies for fun, yeah. or something, right? Or she's maybe I mean, just explicit about her opposition to abortion, and so loses right. Collins and uh, you know and Murkowski and. Who knows? That could be. And, you know, Dianne Feinstein said that the dogma rings loud and clear, right? And, right. and Barrett, and you, you might have right there a flat-out religious fight in the country. Right. And it would be fascinating to really see faithful Catholics line up behind her and be willing to take on that fight. I, I think if someone like Amy Coney Barrett came up, then someone like Mitch McConnell should step forward and say, we're going to play super hardball here. We're not having any more shenanigans. We're gonna we're gonna push this right through. I'd love to see him, Bill. If this is even possible, I don't know. Say um, she's qualified. We're not going through the circus again of Senate Judiciary Committee hearings. We're gonna limit this to three days behind closed doors, something like that. Yeah. This is gonna be done in two weeks. We're gonna have an up or down vote on on the floor. And with uh, with a president like Donald Trump, who doesn't care what they say about him, yeah. they, they, yeah. they might be willing to do that. Very interesting. Very interesting. It might have to come down to that. Yeah. No, I can see, I can see both of them doing that. I can see Trump not caring and McConnell, who I understand is really ticked off, going yeah. that way. Look, if he keep, we keep the Senate, if Republicans keep the Senate, we're going to get somebody. And I don't mean to be dismissive of Kavanaugh. I still think he'll get it, but we're going to get somebody. And, and and they probably will keep the Senate. I mean, right now yes, it looks like that. it. I believe that. And you go, you go to like the Real Clear Politics average. I haven't checked it today, but I think last week they had like 47-44 with nine seats not real clear. Right. They're, right. They'll probably hold the Senate. They're probably going to lose the House. I mean, if the election were held today, it looks like they'd probably lose the House by at least 20 seats. Yeah. But but they'll, prob- they'll probably hold the Senate. So the, the, you know, the situation there, numbers-wise, probably isn't going to change that much. All right. I know you got to go to your meetings and go to your students, and uh, we thank <laughs> you. And I will see you in Pittsburgh, right, in November. You, you got it. I'll Should we tell the audience grade. if Pittsburgh. they want to buy a ticket? Should we tell them? Sure, yeah. So November 8th, the William Penn Hotel in uh, lovely downtown Pittsburgh, one of America's great cities, truly. And we're going to have Grove City College, State of the College, our annual Reagan lecture. And it's going to be you and I on on the stage, on the platform, having a conversation about the presidency of Ronald Reagan about 30 years after the final year of his presidency. Folks, this guy knows more about Ronald Reagan than anybody. anybody. (laughs) And he's going to have a surprise for me. The last time, folks, I did this at Grove City with Paul, he just produced some videotapes of the president. With I was with the president, not the president with me, me with the president. And I was speechless. And I'm usually not speechless at a speech. But that, was a, that was a great night. It was, it was a great, a great night. night. I look forward to another one. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Okay, Bill. That was Paul Kenger, author and professor of political science at Grove City College. You are listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Joining us now is Mark Thiessen. Mark is a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, a Fox News contributor, Washington Post syndicated columnist, and the former chief speechwriter for President George W. Bush. I want to do uh, get to Kavanaugh, but just two quick things. Um, did you see, uh, looks like the president's got a deal with Canada as well as Mexico. Yeah. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, I don't know if the deal's good. I mean, I think it might be making, I think with Mexico, he was trying to make it more protectionist, and with Canada, he was trying to open it up like dairy. I don't know what they ended up doing in the deal, so, but 
point being is that he's uh, he's using tariffs as a uh, the threat of tariffs as a tool to improve markets for American goods. So you know, he's, yeah. uh, I think I think he's been vindicated. Once and he got one with South Korea too. So you know. Once again, he's, about be- that he's best at expectations, right? I yes, mean, he, very you know, much people so. People say you can't do it, he can't do it, and he does yeah. it. He just does yep, it. Yep, absolutely. So he's, he's kind of reminding us of all that you know, might have been done at another time but wasn't. <laughs> and let's just <laughs> test true. the waters and see, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. Well, well listen, I, 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 your time is limited, so I, I want to okay. go on. But do you have any update for us on uh, Catholic Church and how it's dealing with its massive difficulties? Well, not very well, to be honest with you. I mean, the, the Pope... Uh, had a had a gave a speech the other day where he said that uh, the reason he doesn't answer the critics is because when the crowds were yelling crucify him crucifying Jesus didn't answer the crowds so really? in his telling he's he's Christ standing scourged in front of Pilate and we who are concerned about this abuse uh, are the crowds yelling crucify him crucify him I mean the Pope no. is is just handling this terribly uh, or I haven't had a chance to read it yet but Archbishop Vigano has a new letter. Uh, that's just come out. Um, and, you know, it's just untenable for the Pope not to answer these these questions. These are these are noble facts as to who knew what when, because there are specific documents that Archbishop Vigano uh, included in his initial letter uh, that can be dug up and released. So let's yeah. find out. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, it's that simple. All right. When, when you when you dig through that letter and you write your next column, please let us know. I will. Absolutely. On. Let's talk uh-huh. about Kavanaugh and the, sure. rule, and the rule of law. Uh, yep. Brett Kavanaugh fights back the rule of law. Where are we, do you think, today? Well, where we are is that we had uh, compelling and and, you know, heart wrenching testimony from Christine Blasey Ford uh, in the in the Senate. I mean, your heart breaks for her watching her. So clearly something happened to her at some point. We don't know whether it was Brett Kavanaugh or somebody else or what it is. Uh, but at the end of the day, there is n- uh, there was no more evidence uh, to back her allegations than than there was before. Uh, she added no information. In fact, she actually complicated things. The uh, the prosecutor, Maricopa County prosecutor, sex crimes prosecutor, uh, just released a memo uh, laying basically saying that not only is it not a he said, she said case, but there are actually gaps in her story uh, that were uh, that came through during that hearing. So we're actually actually lost ground uh, in, in terms of making her case. And, you know, I, I look at it this way, Bill. I'm, I'm the father of two daughters. So I care deeply. Uh, I, I quite frankly, I support the Me Too movement. I don't think that my daughter should ever be subject to say a sex abuse and then if she is abused i want people to believe her uh when she comes forward as a story but at the same time i'm a father of two sons uh and i don't want them to live in a world where someone's life can be destroyed uh with uh, with with uh, allegations without any corroboration or evidence to back them up and so you know the fact is it's uh, after 35 years and no evidence the specific witnesses in the case uh, saying that they have no recollection of what she said. I don't know how you can destroy Judge Kavanaugh's life on the basis of that allegation. I've been, um, I've been saying, I don't know if you find it useful, but um, I love seeing you in green rooms at Fox, by the way. That's the only way we're <laughs> sure we can get you to come on the podcast. But anyway, <laughs> Anytime, I'll, Bill. I will hunt you down. I'll be your hound. I'm, I'm always available to Bill right. Benner. You, get, you help give me my start right, at Empower America many yeah. years ago. Many, many years ago. Yeah, and now I walk around saying I know Mark Deason like I know oh, Paul Ryan, you know. Anyway, um, I've been saying this. I I think people are collapsing two kinds of credibility. I said she was emotionally credible. As you said, something happened to her. She's deeply troubled. Something's really, you know, bothering her and and maybe way back. But he was emotionally credible, too. But factually credible, there was a great gap. 
And yeah. she was not factually credible, and he is. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I mean, there's not only is there no evidence to back her claims, but he has a lot of uh, evidence to make it uh, make it clear that he wouldn't it, that that couldn't have happened if you just look at his calendars. So that, they, that it wasn't possible. And if you look at the map that the that the Maricopa County prosecutor showed, there's like nobody. None of these homes are anywhere near Chevy Chase Country Club. And you gotta you know you gotta go back. I mean, you and I remember the 1980s. Your your kids were grew up in the 80s. I grew up in the 1980s when this is all supposed to be happening. There was no Uber. There was no cell phones. Like if you ran out of a house, where did what would what, what, what would you do? How would you get home 20 miles away? I mean, did you go? Did she run and knock on a neighbor's door and ask to use their phone? Did she like you know hail a taxi? I mean, it's just there's there's so many gaps in the story. Um, and also you know she she left the house and her best friend supposedly was there, so she left her best friend alone with two attempted rapists in a house. Right. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of holes in, and and unanswered questions in this story. And so, you know, I, I, I tend to want to trust her accounts because you want to trust the victim, the, the victim, uh, if the, if she is a victim, but you can't, you can't ruin a man's life without evidence. It's just yeah. that simple. Yeah. And this is America. This isn't the Soviet union where someone makes an allegation and you have to prove your, you prove you're innocent. You have to prove someone's guilty, uh, even by a preponderance of evidence standard. And there, it doesn't exist in this case. And so you can't ruin judge Kavanaugh's life and keep him off the Supreme court and have him labeled for the rest of his life as an attempted rapist when there's absolutely not only no evidence, but but a, a her f- story is in many ways falling apart. Evidence, evidence, uh, yearbook, schmear book, uh, passing <laughs> out. Forget it. Is, th- is this about abortion and Roe v. Wade? Oh, absolutely. These Democrats don't care about Christine Blasey Ford. They keep about carrying Judge Kavanaugh off the court. And they're trying to delay this and delay this and delay this as long as they can. And she's just her tool, uh, their tool by which to delay this. I mean, you know, the fact that Dianne Feinstein uh, you know, ha- held on to this for six weeks, sat down with, with Brett Kavanaugh, having had this information for 20 days, having already recommended a lawyer for her, which, by the way, is a violation of Senate ethics rules. <laughs> You're not allowed to recommend a lawyer to a constituent. Um, and, you know, I mean, the handling of this has just been terrible. Why did they leave it until the last minute? And why do they want an FBI investigation? And why are they now complaining that the FBI isn't being given enough time? It's all for one single purpose, which is to delay. And it's all it has nothing to do with Christine Blasey Ford. It has to do with keeping that seat open on the Supreme Court. I worry in the process we are just taking things apart, not only trying to take him down. But, you know, there's criticism of Trump for being vulgar and lowering discourse. How about the kind of discourse Democrats are engaging in? How about the USA Today saying, hey, the pictures of these little girls playing basketball, we shouldn't have this man around little girls like that. I mean, how low can you go? Yeah, I know. It's horrible. It's horrible. So, I mean, they, they, I, I just think that they uh, that we have unless some evidence comes forward and the, the corroboration comes happens in the next week or so, then we and the, we got to we they got to vote on this. Yeah, it's just, you know, they got to pull the plug. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it took a, we had a week delay. And what happened? You got Avenatti and, you know, coming out and saying that he was part of a gang rape club. You know, I mean, it's absurd. Alan Dershowitz, my former teacher, says, you know, don't criminalize political differences. But what about just, you know, uh, turning political differences into the state of nature? You know, Hobbes' state of nature. Life is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. No rules. No rules. 
And that's why we live in a rules based system is because, yeah. you know, if you don't, if you don't have rules, then it's, a, it's the rule of the mob. Uh, and right now the mob wants to, uh, wants to destroy Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, and we have to follow rules. We have to follow a rules based system. There has to be evidence. There has to be corroboration. If there was evidence and corroboration that he did this, I don't believe he did it. But if he, but if there was evidence and corroboration that he did it, I'd be the first one to say pull his nomination. <laughs> but well, you I'm know. not going to let, I'm not going to let a man, I don't believe in letting a man's life being destroyed because of an un corroborated allegation. Well, how about right. this? How about destroy him this way? Here's my guess. They're going to find somebody to, quote, corroborate, close quote, that he blacked out when he was drinking. But so what? And then if well, he did, all, well, then he lied to the Senate and that's a federal well, that's a, that, well, that, that's a, well, that's a, that, that's a, that's a problem. I know. I, you know, yeah. but again, what is black, blackout? What is the definition of that? Did he yeah. fall asleep drunk in his clothes and wake up the next morning and yeah. say, oh, you know, oh my God, that was a bunder. Or did he like wake up in somebody else's bed and not remember how he got there? Those are two different things. I don't know that you can legally prove one or the other, but I think he probably should have been a little bit more coming forthcoming in the Senate and about his, uh, yeah. about his drinking. Yeah. I think, high school. Uh, my <laughs> guess is they're going to abandon Ford and go after lying about blacking out. Yeah, anyway, maybe. thank you very well, much. Thank you. And Take father. care. Bye. Bye-bye. It was Mark Thiessen. He is a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, a Fox News contributor, Washington Post syndicated columnist, and a former chief speechwriter for President George W. Bush. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. And now let's go to Byron York. Byron York is familiar to you. You've known him. You've known him. Those of you who listen to our radio show, Morning in America, know him well. He's a columnist at the Washington Examiner. He's a Fox News contributor, and he's a regular on our podcast. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bill. I have a theory about the Kavanaugh hearing and where it's going to go. I don't want to tell it to you yet because I got there by reading your articles, which we're going to put a link up to. But let's uh, let's start with uh, what you wrote. Uh, I think it was on the 27th uh, in a Kavanaugh fight. Democrats move goalposts far, far away. And then your second article I want to talk about um, the 1982 party key to Christine Ford's allegation. And then uh-huh. I want to talk about the Georgetown Prep yearbook. Goodness gracious. <laughs> But let's talk about goalposts. Are we going to have an in-depth discussion of, of boofing? Is that, uh, is that where we're going? I, you know, I was on that uh, panel uh, on, uh, you know, with uh, Brett Baer, and I, my uh, my loser of the week was Senator Whitehouse, who I said I thought needs to go back to high school and have some fun. <laughs> but any, anyway, um, we'll, okay. we'll get there. We'll get there. Are we going to move the goalposts after the this week? Are the Democrats going to try to move the goalposts? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think everybody knew that when Senator Flake demanded and Republicans finally acceded, President Trump finally acceded to this demand for a, quote, seven-day FBI investigation, I don't think anybody thought Democrats would be satisfied with that. And that I would expect, as we get closer to the end of the seven-day investigation, there'll be either new revelations or there'll be more of what um, uh, what we've already been hearing, which is that the FBI investigation was uh, politically constrained by the White House or that it was somehow not legitimate in some way. So there's no way Democrats who have been yelling for an FBI investigation will get one and then be quiet and say, okay, thank you. That's not going to happen. Do they really have hopes that they will uh, take the Senate and so be able to prevent this indefinitely? Well, the Senate is not, you know, a a great prospect to them. They, They only need to pick up two seats. Um, a lot of strategists talk to, I talked to 
think that it will be Republicans who might end up picking up the seat. Yeah, or two. I heard that too. So I don't think there's a, a realistic hope for picking up the Senate right now, although it could always happen. But I think what you heard pretty early in this process is Democrats in the Senate threatening that if Democrats in the House take over the House, then, of course, bills of impeachment begin in the House Judiciary Committee, and they will investigate a Justice Kavanaugh, he has confirmed, um, and perhaps impeach Justice Kavanaugh. And you saw uh, Gerald Nadler, the the, uh, Democratic representative from New York, who will be chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, if uh, Democrats take the House, say that, yes, he would start an investigation. So it's going to be a kind of a two-front Democratic uh, effort if Kavanaugh is confirmed. Let me see if I have this right. So if the Democrats take the House with Chairman Nadler, uh, if there is a Justice Kavanaugh, they will begin impeachment proceedings against Justice Kavanaugh, question A, and question B, and against President Trump? Well, question A is they, they say they will begin an investigation. Yeah, of course, sure. that's a prelude to sure. uh, impeachment proceedings. So, yes, they would they would begin investigating these claims that they say are not being investigated now. So we would have Christine Ford. We'd have Deborah Ramirez. We'd have Julie Swetnick, yeah. all perhaps testifying again in, the, uh, in front of the House. And so the House would be doing all this. Now, obviously, if Republicans control the Senate, they would know that this is these impeachment efforts are not going anywhere. They their impeachment is a two part process, House and Senate, and it would be stopped in the Senate. But th- they're going to do it anyway, of course, because they're just trying to uh, but, defeat Trump on every front. But on both, so they go after Kavanaugh and they go after Trump. Yeah, yeah. They, okay. There's been obviously talk about impeaching Trump goes back to November right. 9th, 2016, the hours after. Uh, he was declared the winner of the presidential election. All right, all right. Let's go. Let's go to the goalposts now. Well, one of the articles uh, that you wrote, uh, and again, we're putting them all up. Um, uh, and this may be a basis, I take it, for moving uh, a goalpost in the Democrats' view is uh, the name Chris Garrett. We've had a lot of names thrown at us, but what's yeah. the significance of Chris Garrett? Well, if you listen to the hearing, Kavanaugh hearing, and remember that Kavanaugh turned over calendars from 1982 when he was 17 years old. Amazing. And Amazing, by the way. He was, yes. Do you do anything yeah, like that, that in high school? Like a, no, did you? No, my high school was more like when we get to the yearbook, but never mind. <laughs> anyway, he would. He, he, the calendar was actually kind of like a diary of for Kavanaugh, which he wrote down what he did. So, you know, worked out at Timmy's house, Tobin's house, went over uh, somewhere else. And there is an entry for July 1, 1982, that Senator Whitehouse and others seem to think is really, really important. Um, it's a party. Uh, they did work out at uh, uh, Tobin's house and then went to Timmy's for skis, which we all believe refers to brewskis, meaning they were drinking beer. Uh, and it mentions the presence of Mark Judge and P.J. Smith at this uh, event. And, of course, Kavanaugh himself, because he put it in the diary. So they said, wait a minute, those are all the people that that uh, Christine Ford mentioned as being at the party. This has got to be it. This has got to be the fabled date for when this really happened. Um, problem is, he, rem- he mentions three other people who were not mentioned by Christine Ford, Tom, Bernie, and Squee. Squee being the nickname of Chris Garrett, who was, uh, as Ford testified, they were actually going out. 
they were in that period of 1982, Christine Blasey and Chris Garrett were dating. And uh, if he were at the party, you would have to think she might have remembered that. And that would be in part of her memories. But she's never mentioned him being there. And the weird thing is, in the testimony, in her testimony, she refused to say his name. Now, we all remember uh, Ed Whalen uh, coming up with kind of a Google Maps-based theory Ed Whalen of what happened. Ed Public Policy Center legal analyst. Correct. Yeah, and it mentioned Chris Garrett by name as possibly the, the person who actually committed the sexual assault with no evidence. I mean, the thing that was so irresponsible about that was that you were implicating someone in a crime by name without any evidence that, that it actually took place. So that was a, an enormous mistake on Ed Whalen's part. But uh, in their testimony, Ford said, well, this was the person mentioned by Mr. Whalen. So anyway, Chris Garrett was at this July 1st, 1982 party. Uh, it doesn't sound like it really is the fabled party where she says she was attacked. But since Democrats think it's such a big deal, Perhaps the FBI should talk to all those people. Okay. Let's go to the yearbook uh, and this odd, uh, close textual reading of the yearbook by Senator Whitehouse. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I want to combine this with the questions about his drinking. And a lot's been made out of it. And indeed, that seems in some ways to be the lasting impression from the hearings. I noticed Saturday Night Live skit was introducing yes. it. Mark Damon, Mark, Matt Damon, yes. portraying Kevin yes, on it's beer, 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 beer. I'm waiting for the right. Budweiser and Miller to pick up on this at some point, no doubt, for advertising. But apart from that, here's here's what occasioned my thought, your, your article here. They were pushing him on having blacked out. Have you ever blacked out? He said, well, I passed yeah. out or I fell asleep. Never blacked out. So what do they try to suggest? He might have blacked out. He might have done this and then forgotten it. Could they say if they found a corroborating witness or two from Georgetown Prep or from Yale that said he blacked out, could they then say, aha, you blacked out. So you don't know whether you did this or not. Plus, you told us you didn't black out. You lied to the Senate. You're gone. Precisely. That's exactly what they want to do. Is it? Underlying all of of it. Underlying all of this is the fact that there is no contemporaneous corroborating evidence about this alleged attack from the summer of 1982. The people that Christine Ford says were at the party, all of them, all of them have said they have no memory to support her account. So she did not tell anybody at the time. And by that, I don't just mention the police. She didn't tell a friend. She didn't tell anybody, a family member, anybody for... 5, 10, 20, 30 years until 2012 when she says she told her therapist. So that's underlying all of this. No evidence. So what Democrats have tried to do with the drinking thing and the blacking out thing is to suggest that maybe Kavanaugh attacked her, but he was so drunk that he doesn't remember it. Now, there's no evidence that that occurred either. But the reason they've been pressing him so hard to admit that there were times when he drank so much that he couldn't remember, that he blacked out, he couldn't remember what he did, 
the reason they do that is to build a predicate for saying, well, wait a minute, how can you deny attacking Christine Ford when you yourself say there were times you got so drunk you can't remember what you did? So that's clearly where they have tried to go, and Kavanaugh has not gone there with them. I want to ask it again. If they find corroborating witnesses to say that he blacked out, is that sufficient when they say, well, raises a reasonable doubt about your your testimony and it well, means it, you lied it, to the Senate, so you're gone? Well, it's sufficient, certainly, for the Democrats who opposed him before the Ford allegation was even known. Sure, sure. So, of course, it's sufficient for a unanimous Democratic opposition. The question is, what do Senators Flake and Collins and Murkowski do? And I, frankly, I just don't know about that. I don't either. But it's it's risky for him, isn't it? To admit at the same time that he drank and drank a lot of beer and to say, well, I he, never blacked out. Yeah. And he said, look, I drank beer. Sometimes I drank too much beer. Sometimes I fell asleep as a result of drinking beer. Uh, but he says he didn't black out. The difference being, and I think a lot of people are now having to try to um, pay a lot of attention to the semantics of drinking descriptions. The difference being that he says, there was no time when he didn't remember. It's not as if he got super drunk and got married in that chapel in Vegas. Yeah. And yeah. wakes up the next day and yeah. has no memory. Yeah. With his new yeah. wife next to him, has no memory of being married. Right. Hangover that 2. Hangover that movie. Yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, I mean, you can't. My Gosh, I mean, you can't, you said lay a, lay a predicate, but you can't say because a guy blacked out, that gives plausibility to the claim of someone else without any other corroborating facts, without any corroborating facts. But that's facts. exactly what they will say. Exactly. Wow. And they'll get every Democrat. They're kind of grasping at straws here. I mean, you know, the, the Ford thing, um, even before Ford testified, when they were wrangling about whether she would testify, uh, a number of Democrats were laying the predicate for that, too, saying her story doesn't actually have to be true because they knew they couldn't prove it. It just had to be credible. And so when she uh, appeared, they immediately pronounced her credible. So um, they believe right. her. Right. I, I made a distinction. I don't know if you'd agree with it or find it useful, but I said there's people are collapsing two kinds of credibility into one. One, emotional credibility. Everybody says, oh, they're both credible. Well, they're both emotionally credible. She believes something happened to her. She's a very troubled person. I believe something happened to her. Uh, I, you know, I'd have no reason to believe, disbelieve that she believes what she's saying. But that's uh -huh. emotional credibility. And he was emotionally credible, too. But that factual credibility is something else. That is, she doesn't make the case, no corroboration for what she claims. He has support for what he claims, the yearbook and the absence of corroboration from her. So uh -huh. on, on emotional credibility, give them both good grades, but on factual credibility, she hasn't got anything. No, she doesn't. And that, that is the, the problem that underlies all of this, is that there's no corroboration. There, There is... Her talking to her therapist uh, in 2012, uh, saying that this happened, and you should, by the way, consult the memo that Rachel Mitchell, the prosecutor hired by Republicans, has just written about that. Uh, she doesn't mention Kavanaugh by name even in 2012, so it's hard to make sure what's going on there. By the way, got the therapist's notes, which she then either showed to or read to the Washington Post. Now, if the conversation between Christine Ford and her therapist was privileged, was confidential, as you would think it would be. She's blown that out by showing it to a, 
a newspaper reporter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet, yeah. and yet, she has refused to give the Senate Judiciary Committee any of those therapist notes. Okay, give me a, a last question. Give me a quick guess. What happens on Friday? Oh well, I think I think as the week goes on, you'll possibly possibly see some new allegation against Kavanaugh, which could be even flimsier than the Ramirez uh, allegation, which was flimsier than the Ford allegation, and then the Swetnick allegation, which was flimsier than the Ramirez allegation. You know, th- this has given this what Senator Flake did has give, given Jane Mayer and Ron Farrow and all of the Democrats seven more days to try to find something. And then if they do find something, anything that they can purport to be a serious incident, they can say, oh, how could you stop the FBI investigation now? We must go forward. So it's going to be a big decision for Mitch McConnell. Um, and he's got to count votes. And, uh, you know, we all know the situation. Yeah, he's got yeah. 51 Republicans. Um, I don't think he can count on any Democrats right now. They were counting uh, on uh, Manchin and Donnelly and Heitkamp. Um, so, you know, maybe two of those are the Democrats voting for Kavanaugh because they voted for Gorsuch, but, uh, seems unlikely now. So going to have to do it with Republicans can only afford to lose one. So that's Mitch McConnell's problem. I worry, uh, you know, as, uh, not a practicing lawyer, but a practicing philosopher, whether in this process we are tearing down so many things. You know, I'm, when you read the USA Today comment that he shouldn't be around yeah. young girls coaching basketball when they're going to go in this direction about, I, you know, I could even see the argument, Byron. Well, a guy who drinks a lot, you can't really trust when he says he never blacked out. So yeah. if you can't trust that, he probably did black out. And if he did black out, you can't trust that he never did this. Yeah. You know? Well, look, we are, there's no doubt we are violating norms right and left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the effort to get Trump. I mean, this is all about an effort to get Trump. And, it's all about uh, Roe v. Wade, too, isn't it? Yeah. If you listen to Senator Hirono when she discussed her opposition to Kavanaugh. Wait. She talked wait. about. If we listen to Senator Hirono, you and I have to both stop talking right now. We have to <laughs> shut right. up. You should, you should just shut up. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. If you listen to her, her opposition, she said basically that Kavanaugh's jurisprudence made her more likely to believe the allegation against him. So in other words, she thinks, Senator Hono thinks, that Kavanaugh would vote to overturn Roe. Therefore, she believes that he sexually assaulted Christine Ford in 1982. Not the most logical sequence of thoughts in the world, but there it is. The end of logic, the end of reason is at the end of America. I don't know, man. I'll tell you, this thing frightens me beyond the immediate borders. Um, I, I, I just told a story. Just uh, I was there in 98 with Clinton stuff. I wrote a book, The Death of Outrage. I was in green rooms with the Democrats. I'd go out on the set and Larry King show and they'd debate, blah, blah, blah. We'd go back in the green room and they'd say, oh, you're right. You know, you're right. It was terrible what he did. <laughs> he should go. I said, how can you be this cynical? You know, I'm, I'm still I'm still waking up, I guess. But yeah. this is bad. We tear down an awful lot of stuff. We're tearing down a lot of stuff right now. They are Democrats. It is. It is. Thank you, Byron. It's wonderful. Thank you very much. We appreciate you doing this at time. You're so busy. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me. That was Byron York, columnist at the Washington Examiner and a Fox News contributor. 
You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Okay, folks, I'm uh, talking to you now again after the three interviews. And I realize by the time you hear this, maybe some of what we predicted will already be out there come true, but we'll know more. We'll see what direction this is going. But I'm very uneasy. I think Kavanaugh should be on the Supreme Court. I hope he will be. I can't tell you I predict that he will be. I don't know because of Collins and Murkowski. And I come back to what Lindsey Graham said. Boy, he was brilliant, eloquent, and angry there on um, on Friday. But he said, look, you know, elections have consequences. We won, and this is our nominee. And when you guys won, you had your nominees, and we, we put them in. Sotomayor and Kagan and others. And he said, that's just elections have consequences. He's right. But it's also true that senatorial elections have consequences. And when you have 52-48, when you have a margin of two or margin of one, 51-49, you don't have a lot of room, particularly if you got some people who are a little squiggly in that 51. So we shall see. I, I, I think Murkowski and Collins were reassured by Kavanaugh on whatever he said about Roe v. Wade. I don't think they would buy. I don't think they would buy. Well, you look, you know, he said he never blacked out, but several people said he did black out. Or, well, a guy who drank that much surely must have blacked out. I don't think they'd buy that as a reason. So Mitch McConnell, I think probably, you know, he just has to step up Friday. But it's Monday while I'm doing this. Claude and I are talking to you on Monday. I don't know what's going to happen the next day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Thanks very much. There are tough times. Bleed for my country. I bleed for civilization. I bleed for these things that this thin membrane, which is uh, what keeps us from devouring each other like dogs. The Democrats have called out the dogs. And uh, mixed metaphor, maybe reaping the whirlwind because of this. We are tearing down stuff, left and right, mostly left. We covered a lot. Be sure to share this podcast with your family and friends. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. And be sure to like my Facebook page. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to contact the show by email. How do you do that? Claude, how do you contact the show by email? Uh, Just send an email to BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. That's very good. BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Yes. That's it. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up next week. 